Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 101. Holy shit. Made it. Wow. Made it. Uh, we've been doing this for almost two straight years. Unbelievable. But uh, today we have a special guest with us. Super excited to introduce y'all to Brett Eaton. And Brett, I don't like to steal anyone's thunder, so I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Thank you, Derek and Ashley. First of all, it's, I'm just so excited to be here with you guys. You guys have amazing energy. So this is, is, is one of my favorite things to do is be around people with great energy. So, so to introduce myself, my name is Brett Eaton. I'm a life optimization coach and speaker, and I help people reach that next level in their life. Uh, that looks different for, for some different people, but I help people figure out what they want to achieve and put together the blueprint to get there. Love that short, sweet to the foot. You've been working on that elevator pitch. Uh, I've been working on that one for only like six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, just refining it every day for the last yeah. nearly decade of your life. Pretty much. Uh, love that. I love the life optimization title. I, th- I mean, just everything about that hit. Yeah. No, I I, I have like chills, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I just really want to dive right into things with you and get into some sure. some probably deeper topics than what we typically discuss on the show, mainly because that's kind of your your forte is right is mindset and getting to the root of yeah. some of this stuff. And uh, also, our audience are not coaches. It's a lot mm-hmm. of just everyday nine to fivers, people who are trying to get a little bit fitter, a little bit healthier. Like, you know, you've been in the fitness industry, like a lot of your clients in the past and probably even currently. So uh, figured we could address some of that stuff. And so my yeah. first question to you is centered around uh, something that we watched in your About Me video on your website, which before we started recording, Ash was telling you she's absolutely in love with. Yeah, you all have to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go check it out. Uh, But it's around the topic uh, that we often discuss with our clients and story that we've shared, and that's realizing that our identity is in something other than ourselves or something that other than if it's faith for you, spirituality, whatever it may be, but it's in something that it probably shouldn't be. And in your video, Mm -hmm. you talked about sport. When was it that you realized like your identity was wrapped up in sport? Was it only in retrospect or did you kind of experience it in the moment? It's a, such a great question, and I think that most people discover their important identities when they're taken away, when all of a sudden they can't do something or they can't have something or something is removed from their life. They realize, whoa, that was how I defined myself, or that was what I loved to do, or that something meant so much more to me. You know, so much more to me than I thought. So, 
you know, talking about the video that, that you guys had watched is, is when 16, I had this bad back injury and it took me out of sports for a complete year. And, you know, sports for me was a year round thing, football, basketball, and baseball. So you're always in one planning for the next one. Then you get to the next one and you're just going. And then when that gets put on hold and put on hold, you know, not like sideline for a week or two, but they told me up front, we're going to have to put you on hold for a year if we don't want to do a back fusion surgery at 16. And, and obviously that was off the table, but you, you lose it. It's not just your personal identity, but who you identify with is a teammate and being on the team and having the structure in your schedule and having all of those things. It, it wasn't just that I don't get to play. It was that, what do I do now? Because I have all this time and I used to be filled with those people and that activity and that action. And now I'm left just watching and trying to totally put together a whole new day, a whole new week, a whole new identity, really. Yeah. Did you want to share your story? I feel that in my heart and soul. I had a very similar story. I so I grew up doing gymnastics and diving and, and my first my freshman year in college similar my uh, back I had an I ended up fracturing my low back and the doctor was like unless you want to end up in a wheelchair like you need to stop and Mm. because I was so wrapped up and that was my identity I wanted to go to the Olympics I was going to do anything to do like get there and my coach had to be the one that was like you're going to transfer because I'm not going to be the one that puts you in a wheelchair like you were you're either stopping or and I ended up just going on medical release, but it, it really, it's so, everything that you just said there, it's so true. It, it becomes your routine. It's all that you know. So. Yeah, I think it stems into, like Brett, you had mentioned, it's how you act as a teammate, obviously within that team setting, but it's also your role like outside of that. Like yeah. your entire life is kind of centered around this role that you've been playing in sport for, you know, decades. And when that is taken away, like you had mentioned, it kind of leaves you feeling lost. And so that leads into the next question I have for you is obviously being lost is not something that's good and something that people struggle with. So aside from that, why is it important to place our identity or your identity in something greater than yourself, whether that's faith, spirituality, the universe, whatever you want to call it? Uh, is that a conversation you have with a lot of your clients? Is that something you've navigated yourself? Uh, just kind of dive into that for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, having an identity isn't a bad thing, but it can also, as we just proved, can be taken from you at any time. So understanding that you can identify and you, and it doesn't have to be one thing. You know, we were talking about growing up, how it was just, you know, sports in general, but You can identify as a a husband, you can identify as a wife, you can identify as a mom and having all of these things. But I do think it's important to have multiple identities because you will probably lose some throughout the time. You know, for I know sometimes parents struggle when their kids go off to college and now the house is empty and doesn't mean you're not a mom or a dad, but no longer is that role looking the same for them. So it's important to be able to kind of morph that identity into different things as you evolve, as you grow. But you want to have that bigger picture where your identity isn't fully lost if one of those things is taken away. If, if something changes in your life, you still have the identity of you know, even just being a good person is a great identity, right? It's like just be a good person and that's not revolved around any other thing than, hey, being kind, be nice to people, right? That's, that, you can have that throughout time. 
But I do think it's nice to have that bigger picture or that bigger vision or that mission that you're on that says it's it's not just about me, it's maybe about more than me. And because of that, that identity can't be taken away. That identity isn't going to be lost because of an injury or a time change or a season or a shift in, you know, in life. So it it's nice to have those multiple identities and and, and my clients a lot of times we are re re-identifying them. We're saying, hey, like you've identified as this. And sometimes the identity is not a positive thing. Sometimes the identity is I've always been overweight. Sometimes the identity is I've always been bad at this. Well, if we identified ourselves as that, hold on, you're the only one, or maybe somebody's told you this in the past, but it's just as easy to lose that identity on purpose and go pick up an identity that's actually serving us. Instead of saying I've always been heavy, I always, let's, let, let's pick up the identity of I'm on my journey. Let's pick up the identity of I'm getting better, I'm trying, I'm practicing. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, it's, just, it's, it's no more than a label that you've labeled yourself. And if we can label ourselves something, the great news about that is we can unlabel ourselves something. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly where I was going to lead next was how do you, if you're someone who does feel lost, if you've had one of those roles taken from you, how do you revive your identity? How do you find or create a new identity around some of your other roles that you're playing in life? And as you just mentioned, you know, it's, it's really, it's not as simple. I don't want to use the word simple, but it is creating a new label for yourself. It's just that that process is really, really difficult. Yes. It's finding your passions. It's a great place to start. It's a great place. What makes you happy? It's a great place to find your identity is and who makes you happy. What are the people that make you happy? What are the things that make you happy? And, and what fulfills you? What leaves you fulfilled? Because if you can put your identity in that, well, you know that that identity is one, going to be positive, but two, it's going to inspire you to keep going. And, and whatever keep going means to you, just keep pursuing that thing. But starting with something that makes you happy, something that makes you fulfilled, and something that empowers you. Obviously, that's a, you know, a, a familiar word for us. But it, when we say empower, what is that identity that's not making you feel worse about yourself, but is actually a small confidence boost? If you say my identity is this, it's no different than two people, the exact same weight, exact same fitness level, height, weight, everything. One person identifies himself as a fitness or an athlete. And some person identifies themselves as somebody who struggles to stay in shape. They're the exact same thing. All it is is the mindset of it. So it's finding that mindset. But I think it's around your passion is a great place to start. Yeah, I love that. Ash, do you have anything to add there? I know you're just like, if, no, I, kn- like if I know you well, in. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I know you well, you're, you're like writing all this down in your head mentally. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that. I've shared my personal story with it being, and maybe you've gone through some similar bread of being the coach, being like the quote unquote fitness guy and having that, that can be a pressure and it can happen with several different roles in life, but that's our story, right? We both come from the fitness industry and that can really impact your thoughts and your behaviors and how you go about your day to day when you're putting all your eggs in that basket. So just what we've been saying for the last few minutes here of understanding that you can play multiple roles, you can have multiple identities and that if you put all your eggs in one basket, that's when you can run into a problem because you are eventually going to drop one of those balls or one of them is going to be taken from you. And you got to learn how to navigate and get past that. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Um, so now continuing on like with the theme of your about me video that we watched and that <laughs> we're, we love so much in there, you had a quote that I really loved and that I've never, I've actually never heard before. Maybe I've heard it in mm-hmm. different variations but it didn't it didn't hit as hard 
And that's that people will not remember what you say. They will not remember what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Made me cry. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's so powerful. And yeah. that message, I believe it ties into this concept that we talk about all the time of self-awareness and legacy. And, you know, what are you, what is the legacy that you're trying to leave behind? Like, what is, are you living out your truth and understanding are your if your actions are matching up with that legacy that you want to leave behind. Is that something that you find yourself talking about with clients, with individuals, that a conversation you have with yourself of, do I have the self-awareness to understand who I am, to live in my truth, and to leave the legacy that I want to leave behind? Or am I living a life that doesn't align with those things? Mm. Yeah, to, to start off, that quote is, I think quotes are a dime a dozen these days, right? Like we hear quotes all the time and they stick for a little bit and they and they leave and then we pick up a new one and, and we leave. And but but that's one of those probably two quotes in my life that are you know forever quotes, quotes that are just going to be those things that I hang my hat on. And uh, that quote actually started where uh, my dad actually passed away when I was 16. So add that on top of the the bad injury and you know you got a perfect storm of a, a kid losing himself a little bit. But it was it was actually at the wake where all of these people were coming in and obviously telling me all these stories about my dad. And it wasn't he did this. It wasn't this. All of their messages were, you know, your dad always had the best laugh. He always made other people laugh. He did this. Or, and it was the feeling that he had on these people. And that's when I discovered that quote. And it was. Yeah, like we always want to say the right thing. We always want to do the right thing. But people will not remember that nearly as much as when they hear your name, they immediately get a feeling. And that's when I made the decision that, hey, that, that's, a great, that's a great place for me to just guide my, my own legacy is I want people to feel something great when they're around me, right? Now, that could, you can add a lot of pressure on yourself that way. But more importantly is, yeah, I want the words to mean something. I want my actions to, to, to stand by my words and what I say. But most importantly, if, if I can bring great energy and, and I try to pride myself on, on always bringing great energy wherever I go because of that thing, if that's the only interaction I get with somebody, well, I want my legacy in that person's eyes to be he showed up with great energy. He did a great job. If that's the only presentation or podcast or episode that they get to hear, well, it's going to be meaningful. It's, um, they're going to be glad that they spent that hour listening to that or half an hour or in a conversation, which is why I'm not good at small talk. I just, I don't do well with that. We got to go deep like right away because we got to make this important, which is super uncomfortable for some people. Like, oh, what do you do for work? I'm like, I don't know. What are your biggest dreams in life? Like, what do you want to do for And they're like, who is this guy? Like, what is going on? But hopefully we both walk away with a much better conversation to circle things back though is it it's always feels better when your actions and your words and how you are making people feel but also how you feel inside is f filling you up is filling you up in a way that says this is who i want to be this is what i identify and it's the exact opposite for when you're doing all those things and it's not who you want to be that starts to eat you up inside and I know from experience because I I was there for years of knowing it didn't feel right, but it's caught in this cycle of, well, I'm just going to keep doing it because it's easier to just keep doing it than it is to make some big changes or find something different. And that starts to wear on you. I mean, I think, you know, anxiety and depression are buzzwords that people throw around, but that's that gets you there quickly when you just are in this stuck cycle of I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not living the way I'm, I think that I should be living starts to eat you up and it really starts to get you down. So finding those things and asking yourself, you know, what, 
maybe not the quote, but what is the thing that you want to, how do you want to be? How do you want to show up? How do you want to make people feel and start applying the actions to those thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, I think it's impossible to show up for your example with good energy, with high energy and engage with people. If you're doing something that's not fulfilling, if you're doing something that is within that cycle of just redundancy and complacency, but it's easy because you're used to it, it's you're comfortable. And so, yeah, yeah, I think it's impossible to, to really live in your purpose. If it's not something like you're not going to be able to live in purpose if it doesn't fill you up, if it's not fulfilling and then you're not going to leave the legacy that you want to leave behind. Right. And we did, I mean, similar to what you were mentioning, you were kind of searching for something else or wanted to pursue something else, but it was easier to stay in the same place. And that's when you become burnout. And especially in the fitness industry, same thing happens with us. I mean, we were working 60, 70, sometimes more hours per week. And as much as I love coaching, as much as I love helping people, you, you get run down, you get beat up because just the coaching or the other roles that are associated with the job are not filling you up. Maybe that hour with that individual is, but you need to make sure that you can be your best self so that you can show up for that person. So I think that's something that's really powerful that everyone should understand. And even though it's really hard to make that decision and take that leap, it can be life-changing. Absolutely. It can. And like you said, it's, there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with, with all of those working long hours, but it's, is that getting you to a place where now you are not able to show up how you want to be? If you're not able to show up with great energy, if you're not able to show up with passion, even the most passionate people in the world can get burned out by doing too much of that thing where now you're not doing it at a standard that feels good. So I completely relate to what you were saying, Derek, as far as just getting to that point where where you you know you like what you're doing but how you're being told to do it or how you're doing it is not filling that cup anymore. And that's when you start to make that change where you say, like, okay, how can I make how can I make a change where I'm still giving, I'm still doing what I want to do and helping people, but it but it, it is also filling my cup more. It's not just draining your cup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so we're kind of hinting at this for anyone who's in that situation, and I think there are a lot of people because that's just kind of how society has worked for the last few decades before the internet came around and now you can essentially pursue whatever you'd like and it's realistic. Uh, what do you, what does someone do who's in that situation who is living in their like quote unquote backup plan and it's just they're mm-hmm. so comfortable and they're at this point complacent with it that maybe they're scared to take that leap or to change anything because it'll it could impact their entire life. Like what can they do right now to move towards that fulfillment? Oh, that's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, let's start. Well, I, okay, I got a, I got a couple things that come to mind. The first thing is, is start removing the band-aids and the masks that you're putting over the feelings you have about it. Because when you put a band-aid, when, when, when you are miserable Monday through Friday, maybe not miserable, but you're not happy Monday through Friday, it's an easy band-aid to be like, let's just go wild this weekend. And what happens is it pauses it for a second, but then you hit play again on Monday and you're right back in that cycle. So one of the things I always try to get clients to do is I try to say like, I, I don't, I'm not here to say that you have to be happy all the time. When you are upset, I actually want you to get really upset. Like I want you to actually feel all of those emotions because I have a saying that emotion creates motion. And what happens is if we are constantly masking or putting band-aids over the real emotion we feel about something, what happens is it keeps us stagnant. It keeps us perfectly stuck. 
But if you actually get pissed off enough or you get frustrated enough to where it actually hits that trigger button, now all of a sudden we can create some motion in our life. And when I say motion, I mean action. Saying like, you know what, I've actually complained about this for how long? And now I'm actually like, this is, this is the breaking point. It's like this something actually has to change with this. Go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say that. So you're telling me next time I'm upset, I need to look in the mirror when I'm sobbing, crying and watch myself yeah. cry. So I cry harder, <laughs> cry harder. Yes. It's yeah. It's um, in, a, in a weird way to get, to give like the listeners that analogy. It's I believe that when you don't allow yourself to feel the lows, we end up actually muting some of the highs as well. And what happens is we end up living in this like 50% range where we're never super sad because we're not going to let ourselves go there. But because of that, we never let ourselves get really ecstatic and happy and enjoy the great moments. We almost downplay the great moments because we're so used to faking how bad the bad moments are. And I believe life is meant to be lived in these extreme, like live yeah, we you know we don't we don't want to be a roller coaster of emotions, but we but we want to be like we want to. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have those down moments because it's also going to let you experience how great the good things are. So that would be number one. The second part of that would be I often think when people feel stuck or they're stagnant or they're feeling that their life is average, usually they're surrounded by people who are encouraging that behavior. They're encouraging you to stay exactly where they are because it's more comfortable for them. They're encouraging you and almost reiterating to you why it's the best decision for you to stay there is you got to get around people that encourage you to do more. They've got to get around people that encourage you to play big. You got to get around people that encourage you and inspire you to go out and be great. And if you do that and you surround yourself with those people, it's only a matter of time before you end up doing that yourself. It's only a matter of time before you start thinking the way that they do or acting the way they do or speaking the way they do. It's just a matter of time when you get around those people. So most people I would say are stuck and caught in circles and in environments where that is the commonplace. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talk about that quite a bit as well. The, the people you surround yourself with, the relationships that you have. And one thing that we talk about often as well is it's not that those people you just mentioned are saying those things to keep you in that place purposefully. They think that that, as you hinted at, is what's best for you. They are low, right. they have your best interest at heart. The problem is that might not align with your passion, pursuits, and what's fulfilling you. So then you're not having that support that you feel you need to take that step and make that leap and per, and chase that thing. So it's it's a tough balance, right? Like these, most likely, these are the people who. Are, we always say are in your corner. They're like your your right. family, your best friends, and you love them. But at the same time, you kind of want to be like, "Hey, fuck you!" Like I want to go, <laughs> I want to go chase this thing, right? But it's right. really hard to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to have those people because you're right. It's we we take it as a personal assault on what we want to do, but it's not. It's just that may be their upbringing, that may be their their thought process. They may think that you know average isn't average. They may think average is amazing. Like they may think what they have is awesome, but if deep down inside you don't feel satisfied with that, that's going to start to eat you up. It's going to start to eat you up. And that's what causes that real stuck feeling where they know that there's something in there, they're not acting on it. And then all of a sudden, like we just start downplaying it and downplaying it and downplaying it until the point that we convince ourselves that average is fine. Right. And, and I say average very, it's totally different for everybody else. And not every, when I say, 
like go chase something. Not everybody has to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Like sometimes just being a really good mom or being a really good friend or uh, being a really good teacher is that greatness for you. But if, but your gut always knows the way. I feel like our brain always tells us something, our heart tells us to go another direction, but your gut, if you look back at all the biggest, most important decisions of your life, your gut knew the answer before you did. Most likely we just listened to our head or our heart and we probably did something else. But our, I always think the biggest decisions of my life, my gut knew immediately what I should have done. I just didn't listen to it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I th- that, that immediately made me think those points you just made of, it's, it's along the same lines that Gary Vee always says, like, you don't need to be number one, right? You might be a two, three, four, or a 19, and that's okay. Sometimes yes. the happiest people are number 67 in their organization making whatever it is they're making, $70,000 a year, and they are ecstatic. Crushing it, yes. Crushing, yeah. And so, yeah, not everybody needs to chase these big, crazy dreams. If, yeah. if what you want is to be the I don't like you keep using the term average right we don't mean it in a negative way but if you want to have that average nine to five life and come home and have a family and pour some time into Netflix and just hanging out and chilling awesome if that's what fills you up yeah super cool do it uh it's just that's not for everyone and that's okay everyone has their own path that they want to pursue and maybe you can share a little bit I know we have shared our story of when we set out and started ballistic exactly what we're describing now happened with all our family and friends, right? They didn't understand it. They kind of looked at it like a little goofy side project or a side hustle. And for, what was it? Like probably 18 months, my (laughs) dad would call us and be like, Hey, you know, the state police are hiring again. Hey, you know, like, (laughs) Hey, you know, you can do this. Hey, have you thought about this? And again, he had our best interest at heart because he didn't understand what we're doing because he's not from this generation where you can create something out of nothing, like through social media and the internet and we just couldn't figure out for the longest time why like why is no one supporting this why are we still having these same conversations but it's because that's that's their perspective and that's what they think is safe and good for you you just have to be willing to have those conversations and realize okay that's what they enjoy and that's their fulfillment cool i'm gonna go pursue this thing that is so funny that you say that because uh my mom is like the most supportive woman in the world she would support me if i was doing anything but even sometimes she, she was like, so, so like, wait, so they're just like people on the internet that come find you. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what if they just, what if they disappear? Like, <laughs> they just don't understand it the same way, like our generation does. So I totally, totally understand where that's coming from. Um, it's, it's understanding that those people who, who don't understand your dream or your vision, it's not our job to convince them. It, it was never their dream to begin with. It is never their their goal to go out and do this. So what happens is we can waste so much time and energy trying to convince them why, as opposed to just respecting their opinion, but creating a boundary around it and saying, but I also think when somebody like that comes out or tells you something, or do, it's a chance to prove how bad you want something. Because it, at that point, that's like, a, that's like a detour. When you're on your trip and there's a detour or a road closed, it's your chance to decide, do I really wanna to get to that destination? or should I just turn back around? When we're in our car, we never turn back around, right? We just go to the place. But in life, that is usually enough to get most people to turn back around. It's enough to say like, you know, it is gonna take a little longer than I thought, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they don't believe it, so maybe I shouldn't believe it. I believe it's a great opportunity to double down on your belief. 
double down on why you want it, double down on your energy, double down on your effort, and just prove to yourself. It's like, not that you have to go out and prove mom or dad wrong or somebody wrong, but it's that proof. It's like, hey, they don't believe it, but you know what? They don't have to, but do I believe it? Hold on, let me check myself. Yeah, I do really want this. Let's go get it. Yeah, I'm sure Ash is like 100% on your side. Meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm like, oh, I got to chip my shoulder. I'm going to fucking show you what's up. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, out for works. blood. You got that Michael Jordan mentality. Yeah. You're like, it, it became personal. Right. We had a buddy. We had a friend. And one day he was like asking us about the business. And I don't know if I just wasn't in a good mood or what. But And he just had always treated it kind of poorly. And he said something to me. And I remember I just spouted off. I was like, dude, we made X amount of dollars last month. <laughs> Like yeah. just to get in his yeah. face because I was yeah. like, yeah, man, like what up? Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, we just had that conversation the other day. You're like, you, you, we don't need people to tell us certain things. You're like, I know, like we know where we're going to get. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's along those same lines. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, well, ch- kind of shifting gears here a little bit. When you were, because you were in the industry, fitness industry, Brad, for how long? 10 years or something like that? More like, more like 14, 15. Yeah. 14, I mean, 15. from like, I started personal training. Uh, I was actually training to get my certification when I was in, it was, it was like 20 years old. I started training at college and was actually like a swim instructor or something. And the only reason I did that, cause it was a pool inside of a gym and I got the free membership and I could start working on my training certification. So it was like all that happened. And so, yeah, it was like, it's like, it's been a while. It's been a while. All right. So definitely plenty of experience there. Plenty. Uh, yeah. But with that said, in when you're coaching, at least this has been our experience, and you mentioned this uh, in your on your website and a few of your, your videos, oftentimes when you're a coach, you're working with someone who's pursuing aesthetic goals or performance-based goals. Maybe it's just as simple as weight loss or whatever the goal may be. They're in there because ultimately deep down they want to look a certain way yeah. or maybe they want to do a certain thing. How often back when you were in fitness did you find yourself having conversations that were way deeper in order to unlock something to make them realize, hey, it doesn't actually matter if you can deadlift 500 pounds or if the scale reads X, what you're really searching for is this and helping them come to that conclusion. Oh man, so many times. Are you guys familiar with the show, The Biggest Loser? For, yep. for anybody who's listened or ever watched that show, it's a show actually that I used to like, it was a show that my mom and I both agreed on and would watch together. And we'd be like, okay, this is, this is a show that we both are entertained by. And, and granted, like the, you know, some of the transformations are unrealistic and everything. But w- when I finally hit, not necessarily my breaking point, but where I realized, hey, I, I, I need to do this a different way was those days where a client would come in and they would, you know, they disappeared for two or three weeks and they came in and it was my job to put them through a workout when what they really needed was to go in the back room and let's talk about where the hell you've been for the last three weeks. Let's talk about why you're feeling this way. Let's talk about what you're doing. Now, I was afraid that that person was going to leave crying and I was going to get fired immediately. So I couldn't do that because we had to do squats. We had to do things. And what I finally realized is that's not how I want to do it. I want to take that person, even if they're coming to me for fitness, and if we spend the whole session sitting down on the ground talking to each other about what is actually going on, that is the best use of that hour. Coaching allows me to do that. It allows me to come sit down with somebody and dive to the root of the problem as opposed to what I talked about earlier is some days I felt like I just put a Band-Aid on that person's huge gashing wound and they're going to leave and guess what? They're going to get right back in that same cycle. So you start to realize that a lot of it comes with the mindset piece and the whole like motivated by Brett, like where that started was 
first of all, getting into my own head of like, why am I on this roller coaster of some days I'm high, some days I'm low, why, like wh where do I find this motivation? But it also realized, I started to realize one of my superpowers was I wasn't the best trainer in the world, but I felt like I had a really innate instinct where I could get in people's heads in a, in a good way, get in people's heads and, and, and figure out what was holding them back. And if I could figure out what was holding them back, we could get through it and we could get to the other side of it. And I started to think about the clients that had the best transformations. And as much as I wanted to be like, man, Brett, you write the best workouts. It wasn't squats, sit-ups, burpees. It was, we tapped into something the other 23 hours of the day, but when they left, that they started making some changes or thinking differently or speaking affirmations or whatever it might be. But a lot of people go into the gym and they say, well, when I get the body, I'm gonna feel. When I, get, when I look a certain way, I'm gonna feel. And what happens is oftentimes they get there and it doesn't change or they get there and they're like, well, I still need to lose 10 pounds or I still need to look. And what happens is they never get that peace. They never come to peace. So it's easy for us, you know, fitness professionals to say like, love your body in all the senses. But if you come to peace with your body, what it's been through, what it's gotten you through, all of the things that it's done for you, what happens is you start to end up loving that body. And then it's easier to end up loving, pouring more love into that body and getting you to a place where you love the way it looks, you love the way it feels. But if we don't do it in that order, what happens is we're constantly chasing this validity in something that it's never going to come down that road. Now, trust me, it, it, it looks, it, uh, it feels great and it looks great when you're, when you're healthy and you're treating your body good, but you have to be okay with with your body and all and all elements of it. And you have to be okay if you go up five pounds and be like, you know what, this is the journey. The journey isn't perfect all the time, but if you fall in love with that person and that journey, what happens is when you get to that place, you appreciate it so much more as opposed to, I'm gonna find all of the things once I get a six pack. I'm gonna find all of the things once I can do muscle ups. I'm gonna do all the things. And you realize that it doesn't change that much. You know, like there's really not that different of a feeling between a six pack and not a six pack. It's just, it's, are you working on bettering yourself? That's what feels really good. Yeah. I love that. I mean, the difference between six pack and no six pack is no pizza. I mean, that's it's, basically what, yeah. what I, and that, what yeah. kind of life is that? And what is that? Right. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, that, and that's something that we talk about all the time is loving the process more than the prize. Like the classic Eric Thomas line, right? Of, yeah. The prize is so, the destination is so fleeting. It's literally here and gone in a moment. And if that's all you're living for, like you said, you're going to get there and either you're going to have moved the finish line on your own and you're going to want something more or you're going to get there and that feeling of fulfillment that you expected isn't going to be there. Or worst case scenario, you were such an ass the whole time you were pursuing that thing that you get there and there's no one to celebrate it with. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean... I don't need to say it. that was it. You said it. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, I mean, we even are putting it on like our next line of shirts, right? About loving the process, but it's so, so important. And like you said, if you can help people understand that process and learn to love that process and learn to appreciate everything they've been through, everything they're going to continue to navigate and overcome, that's how you continue to show up each and every day. And that's something that I think Ash probably talks with every day with her clients about it's not about the number on the scale. It's not about, you know, looking a certain way. It's about understanding that you're capable of achieving these things and it's the consistency and it's understanding that you have to 
engage in sustainable behaviors to get to that end point. And that's, I mean, that's coaching for us. Yeah. It's not about being perfect. And I love what you said, Brett, about how sometimes that individual wouldn't like wouldn't show up to the gym for two weeks. And it's like, yeah, that's the stuff I could, I can tell you everything I know about fitness and nutrition, but until you're able to work through kind of those like limiting beliefs or mindsets, it, it's only going to go so far and it's only going to last so, so long. Yeah, absolutely. And we yeah, all, and we've all been ahead. there. The, we've all been there. The mindset of it is what is normally the biggest missing piece is we spend so much time on sets, reps and how it, the perfect workout. And we don't realize that, Hey, what we think is a lot of times the biggest thing, the stress that we're going through is the biggest thing. It's all of those things coming back and it's the consistency piece. It's how can we be consistent and not just consistent checking off that one box for the day, but you know, there's a lot of things that go into being fit. There's a lot of things that go into being happy, right? It's not just this switch, this light switch that we switch on and on, on and off. It's, it's these pieces that we put together, but I mean, yeah, endorphins play a big role of it, but part of the reason I think people leave a workout feeling so damn good is because they did the thing. They came and they tried and they showed up and they put the effort in and that is the biggest key to motivation is the consistency of I'm trying, I'm getting better, I'm doing the thing. The best way to demotivate yourself is just stop, right? Is just sit there and be like, now I see that that finish line getting further and further away. Yeah, I love that. What and essentially what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that action is what produces motivation. Yes. Right? And that's a topic we just recently started hammering because it's so important, but a lot of people aren't they're not looking at it in that perspective, right? They're looking at How man, do if I, I get could motivated. Yeah, if I could just find the motivation to get my ass off the couch and watch one less episode of mm-hmm. Netflix, then I I could do it. I could get fit, I could lose the twenty pounds. But action require like you need to take action in order to gain motivation and then when you continue to take action that's how you get momentum and that momentum carries into like actual change and so that's something that i wanted to talk to you about is what what makes it so damn hard for people to actually take action to start making changes what what have you found in your experience seems to be holding people back from sticking to their commitments and you know achieving success I think it's a couple things, but it's it is it is the secret sauce, right? It's like that is where if you can figure that out, I believe you can change almost anything in your life. The first thing is that people put there, there's two parts of the action. There's doing the action, and there's what am I going to get from this action, right? Am I either going to get a consequence or am I going to get a reward? What happens is I think people put ninety percent of their thought, energy, and effort into the action, and only ten percent into what they're going to get from it. And I think it needs to be the other way around. It's a lot of action is difficult, right? It's, it's difficult to just get up in the morning without hitting the snooze button. Like that's hard in itself. But if you can get up and say like, well, what is getting up going to have me do? What is it going to help me do? What's it going to give me? Same thing of a workout on the day you're not feeling it. If you put all of your thought in your mindset and your, your focus on this workout's going to be hard. I'm going to have to sweat. I'm not energized right now. I'm not doing it as opposed to just focus on the 10%. 10%, put it into that. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some stuff in there, but what am I going to get from it? What am I going to feel when I'm done? What am I get? What is it going to help me do? How am I going to 
what, 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 what belief am I going to have when I leave this place and, and I'm going to have it? And, and that's the other way around. And sometimes I use the example of like, how is the single mom out there who's cleaning toilets at midnight? How is she able to do that? It's probably because she's not focusing on the toilets. She's focusing on the kids at home and the money that's going to put food in their mouth. That's how she's able to do really hard things is her focus is on the outcome of what that's going to give her, not so much how difficult the action is. So that's one. The second piece, accountability. Why are most people successful at their jobs and tend to struggle to stay and follow through with things in their personal life? It's because they don't create any accountability. There's accountability at work. Normally somebody needs to do you to do their your job so that they can do their job. Right? And there's this other thing at work called you fired, where if you don't do it, you are gonna get let go. At home or in your fitness, nobody's coming to fire you. Nobody's coming to fire you. So the other thing that people try to do when it comes to doing difficult action is they think that just because they said they're gonna do it is all the accountability they need. That is not it. I strongly encourage my clients or anybody listening to start with as much external accountability as you can. Start telling everybody, start doing all of these, get as many people to do the thing, show up at the workout where there's gonna be other people, but create the external accountability while you slowly build internal accountability. Yes, everybody wants to be the person that just does it because they say they're gonna do it, but that's not, that's not where I recommend people starting and that's often where people start. New Year's resolutions, people start saying, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna tell myself 12 new habits and I'm gonna start doing it where all of a sudden it's like, well, how come in February it's gone already? It's because nobody else knew about it. And the only person you're letting down is you. It's okay. Accountability gets things done. And I believe people that are really high performers and they get a lot of stuff done, it's because they have so much accountability that they can't even ignore it. They can't even avoid it. There's just so much there. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's, Honestly, I haven't talked in that framework of accountability very often. We talk about accountability quite a bit, but I love the concept of starting with as much external as possible and then working internally as you're going through the process. Because, I mean, we have talked about folks, hey, you need to write this down as like an affirmation to yourself. And then the next step, obviously, is like you need to now tell people like this is what you're doing or this is the goal that you're pursuing. And we've even done that with ourselves in the business, right? Like we'll announce something just to say like, well, shit, it's out there now. We have to do it. Like, yeah. and so it's such a good point that in a lot of areas of our life, we are lacking the accountability just to stick to the game plan or take the action. Whereas in in most people's jobs, right, they have to <laughs> they have to do it in order to take that paycheck home. There is there's there's the accountability built in. So in not a lot of our areas is the accountability built in. You want to build it in, build it in yourself. Tell somebody about it, and and don't tell somebody that you can lie too easily or that you can, that that's not going to hold you accountable. Oftentimes people will tell like their best friend something and being like, Hey, call me accountable to this. That can work sometimes. But why I tend to lean people away from that is your best friend just wants you to be happy. They just want to see you smile. They just want to see you in a good mood. It's, it's not really their number one priority to call you out for doing things that you're not supposed to do or to make you accountable. That's where coaches come in. That's where trainers come in. Like it is my job to hold you accountable. I'm not always going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear to do the thing that you told me you would do anything to get. Like that's, that's my job is to do that or tell people that you just know are going to follow up and to keep you accountable. I like to tell people stuff that I want, want to do that they're already doing. If they're already doing, like, again, I have an, I, I, I'm, I'm starting a podcast. 
right? I'm really excited about it. Well, if I'm going to tell you guys about it, you guys know about it because you're already doing it, which means I don't want to let you down. I don't want to tell you that it's not going to happen as opposed to telling somebody who doesn't care, doesn't even know what that is. It's like, that's not the person to tell. So make sure you tell somebody that has not stake in the game, but tell somebody that is, that is okay being honest with you. And then you have to be okay taking their feedback. Yeah, that's a great point. That's actually something I don't know if we discussed it in the last time we met with our small group or it's coming up because we actually have a meeting tonight. But is this concept of seeking out the right people when it comes to accountability? Because as you mentioned, it's easy to find the person who is going to either agree with you or allow you to slack off, right? You know who those people are in your life. If you're trying to really stick to something, you know exactly who to go to if you want their advice on something negative that you're trying to pursue and you want them to support it, right? Yeah. And you yeah. also know who's going to be like, that's a terrible idea. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's the people who want to start working out, right? It's like, the, like, like, let's grab all of my other people who hate working out and let's do this together. Well, yes, that can sometimes work. And I don't want to you know, downplay that. But what I would rather you do is I would rather you go to the 6 a.m. workout and meet as many of those people as you possibly can because guess where they're going to be every 6 a.m.? they're going to be there. And if they know your name or if you introduce yourself, this is why like at a gym, when I walk into it, I mean, it's partly my personality, but I always introduce myself to the person at the front desk. I find one of the trainers. I introduce myself. I want them knowing when I'm not there in a weird way. I want them to be like, Brett, where were you the last week? And I, and, and I get, I was on vacation. I was on vacation. Like, trust me, I was gone. I was there, but I want them to know if I'm showing up or not, because that's in accountability that they don't even know that they're giving me. So it's seeking that out and knowing those things. But yes, yeah, surround yourself with people that what you crave is their normal. What you crave is their normal. That's the best people to surround yourself with for accountability to follow through. Hell yeah. Can't, can't yeah, say it any better. That. I mean, it's the same concept as putting yourself. You don't want to be the smartest one in the room, right? Right. You want to surround yourself with people right. who are way smarter than you. Absolutely. Uh, and so now talking about surrounding yourself with the right people and just the way you're leading your life. Another topic that you've discussed like in our Empower group as well as I've seen on some of your videos is the concept of playing offense, not defense when it comes to your life. Do you want to just dive into that a little bit and outline or explain exactly what that means? Yeah, it's – I can't exactly – tell you where that came from but once I started you know repeating it to myself this is how all of my lines or my quote it's like I say it and then I just repeat it to myself for the next 14 days and I'm like I like that I think I like that let's go with this and I'll try it out somewhere and I'll be like okay it's almost like a comedian with a joke it's like oh that that landed that's good let's go with that but playing offense instead of defense is you know we talk about Sport, the analogy of sport, but but more like winning the game of life. You know, I believe to win the game of life, you gotta you gotta score, right? You gotta win small wins, like small victories throughout life is where you do it. And if you, you take any sport, when you're on defense, you are reacting to what everybody else is doing. You 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 can't score in almost any sport on defense, right? You have to get the ball, the puck, or the football, and 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 then go back on offense. Well, what happens is if you're living your life in defense, you are constantly in a reactionary state. You are constantly, you are moving based upon everybody else's move. When you're on offense, you are in charge. You're moving the pieces. You're dictating the game. You're in control of the board. So when you live your life on offense, it's because you, first of all, have a very clear goal of what you want, but also you have good boundaries and you set yourself up for what you want. And 
it's going to come off very selfish being like, what do you mean? Like you're, you're in control of the game and the world revolves around you. No, it's not necessarily that, but it is, you have to make sure that you are moving your life forward and not just getting moved by some other people, not getting, it's almost like a chess piece, right? Like, I don't want you moving my pieces. I want to be in charge of my next move. And so many people, they fall into this trap of they're letting somebody else's offense dictate their their moves and their defense. And it happens quick. I mean, it happens just when all of a sudden you, you bail on a couple of decisions or you let your commitments go. All of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm on defense. And, and defense is, you know you're on defense because you feel unprepared. You feel more stressed. You feel like the world is just moving around you and you're just trying to keep up. When you're on offense, it is so much it is so much more enjoyable because you're less stressed, you're in control, you're planned out, you're proactive. So get, getting back on offense is, is really important for people. And I, I'm sure just me talking about that, people were like, oh crap, I'm on defense. Or other people were like, hey, I feel like I'm doing a good job of playing offense. You usually know where you're at based upon like the feeling you have about your week. And I, and I ask people, uh, we have a thing in my program called the Sunday Setup. And it's, you set it up on Sunday so that you're playing offense that week. If, if we don't have any kind of setup, what happens is oftentimes by Wednesday, we are just like, I almost feel like it's when you fall down in the ocean and you're just getting like wave after wave after wave. It's like, that's defense. It's like, you just feel like you can't get to your feet and get back in there. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of playing, of people playing offense, getting the back on offense. Is, that's my job. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and I especially love the, how you hinted at, it's more about the reactiveness, right? You're reacting to everything else that's going on around you. Cause I think it's easy to sit back and look at that and say, okay, like I, I am playing offense, but then to really look at your life and be like, Oh wait, I do. I'm just reacting to everything. I'm literally just trying to put out a fire every single day and just manage everything just enough that I don't drown that day and then wake up and can, can start it all over again. And what you had mentioned about like moving your own chess pieces and, and sort of taking control of your moves it made me think about an analogy I heard today on a podcast that was, it was talking about faith because we're really into our faith, but the, the concept can really be applied like to life regardless of what your beliefs are. And that's, there was a, it was an analogy. There was a man in the ocean who was drowning and he prays to God and he says, like, God, please save me. And then a plane flies overhead and like asks him if he needs help. And he's like, no, no, I got it. I, I prayed about it. God's going to save me. Then a boat drives by and throws him a float. And they say, hey, grab a hold. And he says, no, no, I got it. God's going to save me. But the point is he's not taking any of the action. You can pray about something all you want. You can wish something all you want. But you also have to take action. And then if it's in purpose, if it's it's what you're called to do, it will line up with whatever it is that you're praying for. But you still have to put in the work in some capacity. Love that story. Love that story. I've heard that I think once or twice before. It's such such a good story for people to realize because we do. It's it's uh, you know I'm I'm a I'm I'm a spiritual guy where I do believe that the universe is is working for us and it's out there to help put things in place for us and it's there to work. But yeah, but like you can't say I want the. I'm ready to get super fit and look healthy and sit on your bed all day waiting for that to happen because you put it out there. It's like you got to put it out there and match that with action that continues to prove that you want that action. And yeah, there are, I mean, when I say get back on offense, I, it's something I'm always, I'm always finding new areas of my own life that I need to, you know, get back on off. I mean, everything between 
and, and it comes down to boundaries a lot, but like when we say boundaries, we often think of like boundary with another person. We also need boundaries with ourselves. We need boundaries with the TV. We need boundaries with our phone, boundaries with the refrigerator and our snack cabinet. Like we need boundaries in, in there's life. And that's where if you're reactionary, it's different where it's coming to you as opposed to you being in control and you saying like, hey, I'm in control of these areas. Yeah, sorry if you can hear Coda in the background there. We were listening. He's just growling no, at no nothing problem. like usual. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... I, I mean, I don't have anything to add there. I think that's such a powerful point and it's something that I think everybody can benefit from. And uh, did you have anything to add there, Ash? Especially on the, I know you've been looking into boundaries a lot and reading about boundaries and trying to create your own. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's a really good point that you said, like it's not just about creating boundaries with others, but it's within yourself and objects, whether that's a TV. Uh, I think that those things are overlooked and uh, not talked about enough. Yeah. I and I think, and I think boundaries, oftentimes we, we set a boundary and we just expect the world to follow through with it. It's, it's nobody's job to uphold boundaries except for us. We have to initiate them. We have to withhold them and uphold them for people. And in a weird way, it's, it's, we train, you know, we train little kids and we train, we train dogs like, hey, you know, you get rewarded when you do this and you don't do this when this, and the dog learns, don't go in that room or don't go in this place or don't run away. It's, it's no different with people and not to downplay, not to like minimize people or, or use a bad analogy, which all I do is all day is bad analogies, but it's, but it's like, we have to train the people around us and we have to train the people around us that like, Hey, I said that. And now look, I'm following through and don't get furious with me. I told you this was going to happen. And, and this is, I'm just, this is me following through with what I, what I told you with. Uh, but I do believe the communication before the boundary is a huge element to it. You have much greater success that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's not enough just to create the boundary. You have to continuously communicate it. Yes. You have to communicate it when it's achieved and you have to communi uh, communicate it when maybe it's not achieved, like having those harder conversations. Well, yeah. and just to maintain it, right? Because yeah. you're going to meet new people, new relationships, <laughs> new, new seasons of life. And I think what a lot of people don't appreciate about boundaries is it creates space for other things and other uh, areas of your life. If you can set boundaries around, I mean, fill in the blank, your career, your relationships, uh, your hobbies, your passions, that makes space for those other things to take shape. You know, we have no boundary with the business. And so we're always striving to improve that because it does limit our ability to go out and meet new people, to, to engage in the hobbies that we used to love and do all the time that now have been overtaken by the business. And I think everyone can relate to that because there's always something that's taking up your time. And those boundaries allow you to then pursue other things and make, or just make space for self-care or whatever it may be. 100%. Boundaries create space and they create freedom. They create freedom for you to do other things. Every time you say no to something or somebody, it allows you to say yes to something else. Love that. Yeah, I do love that. <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, I mean, I think that's really where I think that conversation was amazing. I don't, I don't know if I have any other tangents to go on. Yeah, I mean, I've just loved taking it all in. I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for people to hear it. We're gonna get off the call, and Ash is gonna be like, "Oh my god, I need to just go cry for five minutes." <laughs> like, I just, do I need it. to get it all out. She's, yeah, we all <laughs> go look in the mirror, cry, cry harder. Cry. Everybody out there is like, "I just need a good cry." Go do it. Go do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> look in the mirror, watch yourself, cry a little bit harder. I'm sending you a voice memo next time I need a good cry. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. We've yeah. all been holding it in too long. He'll just send you, have you seen that, this is a random topic, but have you seen this new commercial? It's like for, it's like for Subaru, like the car company, but it's all dogs that are paralyzed, injured, like missing eyeballs. It like literally just wrenches at your heart. And oh. I mean, these dogs are all going to be adopted. You can't watch that commercial and not adopt a dog. That's yeah. all you need to see to cry right there. Seriously. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll Seriously. pull it up on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but no, Brett, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I know I had an awesome time. I think the conversation was super valuable, super helpful. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, to throw out there into the universe? Anything that you wanted to discuss? And if not, where can people find you more about motivated by Brett, any of the information that surrounds you and your programs? Yeah, thank you guys. I, I've obviously really enjoyed this. This is an amazing conversation. I love being able to share what I'm passionate about and, and hopefully give people that, you know, that one that one nugget, one or two nuggets to say like, hey, I can I can do that. I can do that today. And and that's not that's not that's a small step in the right direction, right? It's which we want to make sure that we're going forward. Uh, I'm constantly putting stuff out like this on my Instagram, which is motivated by Brett. My website is motivatedbybrett.com. Um, pretty much Facebook, LinkedIn. If it's not Brett Eaton, it's motivated by Brett. And uh, yeah, this is this is the stuff I enjoy talking about. So I really appreciate you guys and appreciate your energy and just the platform that you're doing and, and all the all the support that you're giving to your community. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballistic performance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.